This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 8.30am, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, let's talk about who is someone who's arguably the most famous inmate uh, in Malaysian prison at the moment. Uh, the petition for a royal pardon for former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Razak has been thrust into the spotlight following media speculation that a pardons board meeting was due to take place in the third week of this month. Last week, Najib's legal counsel refuted the report and said that they are unaware of the status of the pardon petition. Now, Najib has served 17 months of his 12-year sentence after being convicted in 2022 on criminal breach of trust and abuse of power. There are also other ongoing charges as well. So while the prospect of a royal pardon is still uncertain at the moment, what are the implications should he receive such a reprieve? For perspectives on this matter, we speak to P. Gunasegaram, independent business writer and author of the book 1MDB, The Scandal That Brought Down the Government. Guna, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Can we start off with a little bit of the technicalities or just understanding the mechanisms of the pardons process? What considerations are actually taken into account by the pardons board when it comes to making a decision whether to pardon, reduce or cut short a jail term? Good morning. Uh I think you can think of four or five key ones. Uh, one one of the things, and this is what the uh, Najib's lawyers are saying in their petition, uh, that he had an unfair trial. But uh, when, when you look at it, it's unlikely that this will be the situation because nine senior prominent judges unanimously found him guilty, from the high court judge to three appellate court judges and five uh, federal court judges. So typically, uh, for for the pardon, a person must have served enough time as well, and uh, Najib has saved uh, has served only one and a half years out of twelve years. Uh, the they also look for uh, you know when the charge is guilty for some amount of uh, contrition by the person, some regret for the actions that he has taken, and uh, of course since uh, Najib asserts that it's an unfair trial, this is not forthcoming as well. Mm. And then he must have had made significant contrib- contributions before. That uh, too is uh, arguable, considering that uh, he uh, he he led to the loss of billions of ringgit at one MDB. And um, I can't think of a situation where a pardon has been given to a person who's already facing other charges. So uh, for for a pardon process to be to be carefully thought out and considered. All the charges against the person must be heard before that can happen. So these are the five that I can think of. There could be others as well. You know, Guna, could you remind us again of how many other legal cases are, you know, before former PM Najib Razak? And what would a pardon mean, though, if it was granted? Okay, there are there are uh, the the uh, the charge for which he was found guilty was was for ring, it involves ringgit forty two million. Uh, that one has got seven charges, one of abuse of power, three of uh, criminal breach of trust, and three of money laundering. Now, he also faces uh, other charges. Uh, there are 25 charges involving uh, ringgit 2.3 billion. Uh, this, is, uh, this is in relation to an amount of uh, US dollars 681 billion which came into his account. And then there is a second group of charges, six criminal breach of trust cases involving 6.6 billion. 
uh, with uh, former Treasury Secretary General Mohammad Irwan Serigar, and uh, one more money laundering uh, charge involving 27 million. He was found not guilty of audit tampering charges together with uh, 1MDB CEO Arul Kanda. Um, so the 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 thing is, I mean, the, the what will happen to the other charges, for instance, if if at all Najib is given a pardon, uh, there is no precedent for that. But there seems to be no reason why these other charges should not proceed. So uh, you know, uh, but but it, it is a very uh, uh, unlikely situation that you have a person being charged. Uh, being pardoned for this group of offences when he has got so many other charges against him. Mm. Okay, good night. It's a real hypothetical question, but what is the immediate or what would be the immediate impact to the country's political landscape should he be pardoned? I mean, how would this pan out for the ruling unity government? I think there will be a lack of confidence in the rule of law in this case. You know? So obviously... Uh, uh, this 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 could be uh, related to a political decision whereby the uh, it will be interpreted as such that the unity is government uh, is pardoning Najib to try and get support uh, from from uh, to regain some support from the Malay heartland. Uh. So, but uh, the the uh, the ruling party will have a lot of explaining to do. Uh. And um, uh, so, how how does uh, the pardon process uh, 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 actually absolve a person who has called, who has, who has, uh, who has been convicted of uh, many charges and who faces a multitude of other charges? And um, from what uh, we can see, Najib has no widespread support among the Malays or otherwise. You know? In 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 uh, twenty eighteen, I think uh, in the twenty eighteen general elections, Amno won perhaps about 40, uh, 54 to fifty five parliamentary seats, which still made it the biggest party. Uh, and uh, at that time, uh, that it was Najib who was leading uh, the party. In twenty twenty two, when uh, Amno said that its intention was to push for a pardon for Najib. The amount of seats that Amno got was a mere 26, half of what they got in 2018, which was already a bad show. So I don't see how uh, people can infer that he's got a lot of support from the public. No, I, I, I don't think he has. No. So Amno is actually rather weak at the moment, and he's probably the weakest member of the unity government. And um, pushing uh, a pardon for, for uh, Najib is not going to get it any support from the public, mm. whether the, whether it be Malays or non-Malays, mm. and therefore it could, in the long run, if this is if it comes through, it could be uh, it will significantly weaken uh, the unity government and push more support to pass and its allies. Mm. Guna, what kind of impression would a royal pardon for Najib Razak give to the international community, I think, especially when we think about how the US and Singapore legal systems have um, held that there is corruption through 1MDB? Do you think this would have an impact on dampening investor sentiment, for example? In one word, it'll be very negative. Wherever there is erosion of the rule of law and abuse of due process to pardon convicted criminals just because people convicted have influenced, there is always lack of confidence in the system. And uh, this is not just an image problem, but actual issues such as investment flows. And, uh, 
uh, currency weakness and the outflow of funds uh, because of a lack of confidence, not just by foreigners, but even Malaysians as well. And the latter one would become really concerning if Malaysians start losing confidence in the country and take out the money. That is very serious. And uh, that happened to some extent in 97, 98. You talk about the system. I wonder here, one key defi- one key aspect of the system is about the Attorney General. He is a member of the Pardons Board and the role of AG has come under scrutiny as of late. What are your thoughts on the matter? Should the powers of the AG be reviewed and what would be the ideal way to bring about it? Uh, absolutely. I think this was one of the promises that, uh, that uh, the Harapan government made when it uh, came to power in 2018. And uh, it, it has been on the reform uh, board for, for quite a while now. First, there has to be a separation of powers. There are two roles that the AG has. One is as advisor to the government and the other one as public prosecutor. The two roles are constantly in conflict with each other, so which, which, uh, which may uh, give rise to a situation where the AG is uh, beholden more to the government than to anybody else and uh, in fact, because the AG is appointed by the Prime Minister itself, there is a huge uh, pressure on the AG to do the government's bidding more than any other thing. So uh, one, uh, so the advisor to the government should be separate. So perhaps he could still be called to the, uh, the Attorney General, whereas the public prosecutor's role should be taken out of this, uh, out of government completely, and perhaps the appoint the and uh, and the and it's vital that the appointment to be made independently by perhaps a parliamentary mm. select committee or some other process. So on top of that, uh, uh, because the role of the public prosecutor will still be very concentrated and powerful, it will be necessary to devolve uh, prosecutorial power to investigation agencies. Uh, such as the police, the MACC, Customs, Inland Revenue, Bank Negara, Companies Commission, uh, etc. You know, so I think we had the case of uh, one MDB where the previous AG mm. not only refused to prosecute Najib, although uh, it was established more or less that US 681 uh, million flowed into his account, he also absolved him of any wrongdoing. And subsequently, we know that actually uh, the central bank, Bank Negara, had recommended that action be taken as far as these inflows of money were concerned. So there is there is a huge amount of uh, conflict here. So by devolving the power, these things can be uh, can be avoided. Okay, by devolving the power of prosecution. That is. Guna, in the minute or so we have with you, uh, on a separate topic though, what do you make of this announcement or by or investigation by MACC on Mirza Mahathir, of course, son of our former Prime Minister Tun Mahathir? Some would say it's all political persecution. What are your views? Okay, I I, I welcome this uh, investigation, uh, the, the very zealous investigation by the MACC, on uh, not uh, not only Marzan, uh, but uh, Daim as well and so on. So these are things which should have been investigated a long time ago. But I think uh, there should also be focus on the ongoing corruption cases which are which are going on. You know, the, the uh, involving, charge, uh, involving charges against uh, very public uh, people, including the including Dr. Prime Minister Zaid and so on. 
So uh, the 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 process of prosecution should not be selective. So it, it should encompass everybody who is involved in corruption, whether in or out of government. Uh, so, so that is the challenge that this new unity uh, government faces, you know, to, mm. to be able to also weed out corruption among its ranks. And uh, that is certainly not the public perception at this point of time. Guna, <clears throat> thanks as always for speaking to us. That was P. Gunasegaram, independent business writer, uh, commenting on speculations about a potential royal pardon for Najib Razak, the implications, and also other uh, developments related to uh, corruption probes in the country. It's 8.49 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but when we come back, we're going to discuss the impact of Grab's recent changes to the delivery fee on its riders and why so many riders are dissatisfied. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.